if you couldn't speak, how would you communicate God's love? I want you to think about that for a second. If you could not speak, how could you communicate the love of God to someone else? A second question, how would you answer someone if they asked you, what do I have to do to get to heaven? How would you answer that person? So we're going to see in a moment here, I wouldn't have answered the way that Jesus did here. Which reminds us to pray before we act before we answer. So the Holy Spirit can really direct our answers as it did his answer and not have our pet answers. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, you're asking me that question. I already have the answer. No, what's really needed? Last week I had a great conversation with someone. I had my pet answer. It was something I enjoyed talking about and discussing. I could tell this guy wanted to reason. Pretty smart cookie. Would have been a fun conversation. But it was one of those things I felt in tune with the Spirit of God and God spoke very clearly. No, this is the hard issue this man is going through right now. This is really the problem. This is the excuse. This is his out, but this is really what's going on. And this man broke. He broke before God in tears. And all because I was willing to let my pet good kick butt answer go (laughs) so let's take a read here and see what jesus does so how do we inherit eternal life okay look at verse 25 here in luke chapter 10 and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying teacher what shall i do to inherit the kingdom of god or eternal life sorry and he said to him what is written in the law And what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. So let's break this down a little bit. We have the lawyer's question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? I wish I got asked that every day. Wouldn't that be cool if people just came up to us and asked us, what do I got to do to get to heaven? <laughs> you know, How can I get saved? Wouldn't that be cool? Has anybody done that to you, any of you in the last week? Last week, anybody come up to you? Last month? Okay. I get to be a pastor. I don't have people coming to the church just showing up and saying, hey, This whole God thing. Eternity. Heaven. What's it about? How do I get there? Wouldn't you think that'd be cool? Yeah. We're a church. We're supposed to know, right? We're to be a pillar in society, as Timothy tells us. A foundation of truth. But the last place people want to go today is where? To the church. Last thing they want to do is go talk to you, Christian religious person. Bummer. But this man... He came, and he was a specialist when it came to Jewish law, okay? The written Torah and the oral Torah. 
In Jesus' question in verse 26, really I love this because Jesus was doing this in good uh, rabbinical form, answering a question with another question. <laughs> That's how they would do it. But the lawyer's answer, answer that we see in verse 27 is an adequate summary of the law. Okay, yes, he nailed it. Deuteronomy 6.15, Leviticus uh, 19.18, okay? We're to love the Lord with what? With all of our heart, that's our emotional nature, our soul, the willing nature, our strength, that's our, fig our physical nature, and then our mind, our intellectual nature. So really, in other words, it's the whole of the person. All of us is to love God. And I see today, if I'm honest, People, Christians, they love God in part. You get this little bit of me, God, but all of this, this is mine. <laughs> and I have to do this with it. No, God wants us to love him completely. So the response that we see from Jesus in verse 28, his emphasis was on what? Do it then. <laughs> if you're going to say it, do it. Not just believe it, right? James 1.22, we're to be hearers of the word, right? But to be doers of it, not just hearers. We're to do something with what we believe, what we know. So note, do is used in verse 25, 28, and 37 in this chapter. So there is a doing that we're called to as believers. Now look at Leviticus 18, um, if you want to turn there. It's a good verse. It's one to circle, to highlight. Leviticus, you'll find it in the middle of the first five books of the Bible, which is referred to as the Torah. We're going to look at verse 5. Leviticus 18, verse 5. The Lord is speaking here to Israel. And he says, You shall therefore keep my statutes, my judgments. Okay, he's referring back to his word, to the law, okay? Which if a man does, so here's the if. If a man chooses to do these, he shall live by them, says the Lord. Okay, there's a whole lot of things that people believe, but never do. I'm not just talking in Christian circles. That's just the way we as mankind seem to roll. We can have a lot of beliefs. I should do this, but we never get around to it. We don't, or I shouldn't do that. I know the consequences of that. I know it's not the smartest thing in the world to do. But hey, like Paul said, those are the things I find myself doing. What's going on? That's our nature. That's who we are. So I want you guys to grab the difference here because some of you guys are like, okay, pastor, you're getting legalistic on me this morning. No, not at all. I want you guys to grab this truth. There's a difference between law and grace, and it is this. The law says, do this and live. Grace says, live and do this. That's a huge difference, guys. And we are saved by what? The grace of God. We come alive and we get to do. We're not doing because we're trying to earn something to get something from God. We're doing because God's changed us. And the law is good. So, there's a parable here known as the Good Samaritan. Let's look at verse 29 back now in Luke chapter 10. 
It says in verse 29, But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Okay? So this lawyer is digging in, asking the questions. Verse 30, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he had arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and he saw him, and he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his animal, and brought him to an inn to take care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So this is one of the most popular parables out there. It's taken the name of many hospitals. How many of you guys have heard of Samaritan hospitals out there? Um, there's even the Good Samaritan Law that exists out there that comes alongside people. Uh, you know, the liability of them trying to do help or uh, those who've been seriously ill or injured. And you guys just jump online, put in Good Samaritan Ministries. There's a million of them out there. Well, there's a reason why. It's because of this story, this parable that Jesus shared with us. Now, let's look at the lawyer's second question for a second. Verse 29, and who is my neighbor? I want you guys to note the motive now comes out. All he wanted to do was to vindicate himself with a question implying that he didn't know precisely what his duty was. And don't we do that often? We do the same thing. So Jesus answers with a parable here for him. Now a little bit of background to maybe give some insight for us into here. He went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. That's about 17 miles. And you're going downhill. That's about a thousand foot difference between the two cities there. Okay, It was a wild country. In many places, uh, robbers could hide here. Okay. Uh, the man was attacked, robbed, beaten, left to die. Have you guys heard of highway robbery before? That's what happened to this poor guy, okay? <laughs> so God permits three men to pass by his way, testing their compassion for helping the need. Two fail the test, one passes the test. Does God still run tests today? Yeah, I believe so. Sometimes when things are shaken out in your life, you're like, I don't have time for this. I can't do anything about that right now. I got my own stuff. Just might be a test from God. Just saying, could be. Now, two failed the test. We see that in verse 31 and 32. We see this priest. Okay, Who's a priest? 
Oh, holy man, righteous dude, right? Okay, has it all together, right? Well, he came alongside, and then he stepped over the opposite side of the road to avoid his ceremonial contamination with a stranger. So he had both opportunity and knowledge, but was indifferent. How many Christians do we know? They got all their theology figured out. They're never doing anything. Okay, that'd be like this priestly dude. Now there's a Levite. Okay, he did the same thing. Both were obligated, are obligated according to the law to help a neighbor in need, but they were also obligated not to defile themselves by touching a dead body. Well, defilement prevented their service in the temple and eating of the tithe. So they both chose to pass by on the other side. They passed by on the other side of the street, known as the safe side. It's easy for us to take it safe, isn't it, guys? I will tell you this. Unless you're willing to take a risk in life, risk for things of the Lord, your life's going to be boring, honestly. You want to see God move powerfully in great ways? Risk something. Count the cost. Go for it. That's when you'll see God do things. Some of you guys are always like, hey, why does it always happen to that person? Why are those God things happening? Well, they're doing something. They're stepping out. Okay? Do something. Now, um, he also had an opportunity and knowledge, but curiosity preceded indifference here. So they came, they looked. I want you guys to note that religious work does not make the worker religious. Amen? I want to share a poem with you guys. I don't know who wrote it, by the way. <laughs> but um, it, it pierced my heart when I read it. I was hungry, and you formed a humanities club to discuss my hunger. Thank you. I was imprisoned, and you crept off quietly to the chapel to pray for my release. Nice. I was naked, and in your mind you debated the morality of my appearance. What good did that do? I was sick, and you knelt, and you thanked God for your health. But I needed you. I was homeless, and you preached to me of the shelter of the love of God. I wish you'd have taken me home. I was lonely, and you left me alone to pray for me. Why didn't you stay? You seem so holy, so close to God, but I'm still very hungry, lonely, cold, and still in pain. Does it matter? Another question this morning. Have you ever acted as the priest or the Levite? I'm guilty. I think we're all guilty as charged, if we're honest. One passed the test, though. Here we have a foreigner, not included in the Jewish definition of a neighbor, is one who showed himself neighbor to this unfortunate Jew. Jesus must have shocked the audience 
with the hero of the story being a hated Samaritan. Where did Jesus just travel through? If you're familiar in the Gospels, he just gone through Samaria. And what was James and John's desire for the Samaritans? Fire! Right? His own disciples. That's how much the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were looked at as half-breeds. They would do everything to have nothing to do with them. So, to, dare, to tear down these walls, Jesus rebuked their hostilities towards them. We see in Luke chapter 9, verse 55, he healed a Samaritan leper, which we see in Luke 17. He honors this Samaritan right here before us this morning for being neighboring. Okay? He praised the Samaritan for his gratitude later in Luke. He asked to drink from, this, from a Samaritan woman, which we find in John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. He also preached to the Samaritans when she went and returned with a bunch of other <laughs> Samaritans. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit from on high, you are going to be witnesses and you're to go where? You Jews, you are to go where? Samaria, go. And then we see Philip in the book of Acts in chapter 8. Where did he first go to begin missions? There in Samaria. I cannot wait to get in the book of Acts with you guys at the beginning of the year. It's going to be fun. We'll be doing it for a year or so. But this is the heart of God. He desires all people to come to himself. Even the most people despised in our eyes. So here he dressed the victim's wounds, let the man ride on his donkey while he walked through dangerous territory. He paid money to this innkeeper for extended um, care. He even promised credit for additional funds if needed. I want you guys to catch what this Samaritan did. Three keys for us. Sight, sympathy, service. How do we get to serving others to be a good neighbor? First, we got to see. We got to open our eyes. Okay? I brought up the walkathon for the jail earlier. Okay? We've been doing this for years. Been doing the ministry for almost six years now. It's hard to get support for a jail ministry. Why? Even within the church, we have the same thinking of our society that's around us. Well, they screwed up, it's their fault. They're getting what they deserve. Why should we do anything for them? We should just lock them away and throw away the key. That's a bummer. God has a heart for all people, including those that are locked away and we don't have to see them and really think about them because they're gone. No, God cares about those people. That's why he has a ministry here in our local jail. That's why he's called over 50 people who love Jesus to be a part of the team up in the jail, loving people, teaching the Bible, doing one-on-ones, helping people when they get out. Okay? We also need to see the reality of the need that's in our own backyard. We started the food pantry almost seven years ago. We're giving out over a million meals a year. No one's paid to be there. It's all volunteer. Okay? counted the cost. We went, did it. God's provided. He's gone before the whole thing to provide the need. We just need to show up 
and we get to be a part of doing what he wants to do. And what does he want to do? He wants to love on people. He wants to meet a need. He wants his church to remember the poor, the hungry. And we get to be a part of that, guys. That's pretty exciting to me. Why? Because you see a need. When we started the pantry, all the other food pantries in the valley said, we don't need another food pantry. What are you talking about? Well, God's doing it. There is a need. And within a half a year, I think we're up to almost 80 families coming through on a Wednesday evening. Wow, there's a need. Where we're located, it's in the poorest poverty pocket in the entire valley. Well, at least in Appleton, right there. It's a lot of people that can't walk or get transportation. Well, we're living right among them. <laughs> we're right there. And now we're feeding almost 300 families weekly. That's pretty awesome. Is there a need? Yeah. But the thing is, if we didn't see, if we didn't look, oh, everybody's okay here in the Fox Valley. You know, there's needs. There's other food pantries. No, I don't know how many people through the years have come and said, hey, if you guys weren't here, I don't know what my family would have done. We would have lost our house. I never thought I was going to get laid off. Do you know that God got us going and set up right before the economy kind of <laughs> a few years back? Yeah, I think that's why it grew so fast. He saw the need and he saw it was coming down the pipe. And I don't know how many people we registered during that time. I mean, faithful workers, decades, some of them 20 plus years. And there had to be cutbacks and layoffs. And these guys for the first time found themselves without work. And their little bit of savings that they had got dried up within a few months. And I can't even get food in the house for my, my kids, you know, for my family. You got to see the need. As many of you guys know, I, I was on sabbatical and I came back August 1st and got to it. First thing I did was go to our volunteer pantry party we had. And it was so good coming back and hanging out with volunteers who have a heart for the poor and been serving. And then that Wednesday, I'm at the pantry. And that night, six people, six people came through the pantry homeless. Most of them just living out of their cars. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Why isn't there enough help? Why aren't there shelters available? We have shelters, but do you guys know that there's waiting lists on them? If there's waiting lists, there means there's people that are living out on the streets. And I know this has been going on forever, but when I talk to people about the need for shelters, they're like, what are you talking about? You know, we don't have homeless people here. Yeah, we have homeless people right here in the Fox Valley, guys. A lot of them. The following Wednesday, I was there, three more people, not out of that first group, three more I found out were homeless. What can we do? What should we do? Are we going to see the need and do something about it? Well, again, what this man did, he saw he had sympathy. That's the big key, because we all can see the problem, but are we actually going to have compassion and do something, go and serve and do something about it. So, I want you to note this. Everything that this man touched, okay? Everything is touched by this man in this story. His eyes, his heart, his feet, his hands, his thought, his time, his donkey, <laughs> his speech, his money. 
everything. And you guys know what I'm talking about. When you see something and your heart is moved in it, you're given to it. You're just given to it. I don't carry cash with me. But when I go to the pantry, I purpose to have cash on hand in my pocket for a reason. It's because it's something that God's put in my heart to care about. It's not just, well, I'm going to just care in part. No, when you're given something, you're given to it. Okay? I love my church. I love you guys. I'm given to you. <laughs> it doesn't just stop. This is it. <laughs> you know? But that's the thing. When we truly are neighborly and truly loving, you're going to go. You're going to do. So, the Samaritan showed by his actions what love is. There's one more cross-reference this morning. Let's turn to the book of James together, chapter 2. James, it's towards the end of the New Testament. James is the half-brother of Jesus. We're going to look at chapter 2 together, verses 17 and 18. It says, faith by itself, okay? So we can have faith, but faith just by itself, if it does not have works, is what? It's dead. It's dead. It's good for nothing. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Guys, this is what we call practical Christianity, okay? But is there any other? Well, his compassion is seen in what he did to do to help this man. That is how it was seen. That is how it was practically lived out. So Christian love is acting for the good of the other, okay? Other persons, whoever they are, whatever the cost, and however you feel. Pretty simple, right? We just love. Some of you guys are like, yeah, this is great. Some of you guys are like, mm, faster. That means it's going to cost me something. Yeah, that's the point. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, it's not about me. It doesn't say that. But he's, it's not, you know, I who live, but Christ who lives in me now. Okay, in the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Okay, he's our example. I've been crucified with Christ. It's not me. To be Christ-like, what did Christ do? Did he come to be served and have kingly meals? <laughs> no. He came to what? to seek and to save the lost, to serve, not to be served, right? That's Christ's likeness. So, Christian love is acting for the good of another person. So, sympathy is suffering with the victim. You guys like that? Sympathy is suffering with the victim. If we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, what does that look like? You know, one of the things I love about the food pantry, I got to beg last week, um, but we've been blessed. Like, we've really been blessed. And some of the food that we're able to provide is stuff, like, way too expensive for me to walk into a grocery store and buy. You know, we're sending out steaks sometimes that are 18 bucks. <laughs> I'm just like, 
God, this is so, look how much God loves these people. Like, he really cares for the poor, you know? Lobster tails, you know, just, oh, so good. Not all the time, but God has provided multiple times those type of things. And we've always had an abundance of stuff. God's always met the need. It's so cool. Um, so, I wonder if this lawyer could even say, Samaritan! You know, I was so anti in his thinking. But Jesus showed the lawyer that he asked the wrong question. Did you guys catch that? He actually asked the wrong question. The question shouldn't have been, who is my neighbor, but to whom can I be a neighbor? You see the difference there? It's huge. And a lot of us live in that first reality. You see, the answer is, who is my neighbor? Is anyone I can help? Does that make sense? Is it just the person who lives next door to you? No, it's anyone that you can help. So who's my neighbor? Well, let me answer that. Well, be a neighbor, and the moment you are a neighborly person, you will find your neighbor in that one that needs your help. Pretty simple. So if your spirit is right, there is no need to ask who your neighbor is. Who's my neighbor? If you're really walking the spirit of God, you don't have to ask that question. It's just going to happen. You're going to be the one that stops. You know, when you see somebody hurting, downtrodden, you know? Not, oh, bummer, they're just having a rough day. No, I'm neighborly. What's wrong, bro? <laughs> What's going on? You okay? You just, that just happens when you're walking in the Spirit of God, you know? And even I see the Spirit of God even take it a step farther a lot of times. Because a lot of us, we have it all put together, don't we? You know how many people we've had come through the pantry who said, I've been in need for so long, but my pride. I've never had to come to one of these places before. I, I don't, yeah, I never thought I'd find myself here. My cupboards have been bare for weeks. I've had nothing. And it's just that pride. And that's where we, when we're walking the Spirit, we'll go a little deeper with people, won't we? You know? How you really doing? <laughs> Anything I can help you with, you know? That's being Christ-like. It's putting yourself out there. And how many times have we seen Jesus do that in his ministry? Go out of his way to meet a need. So, if you want to know who your neighbor is, just be one. Love actually makes neighbors. So the story defines two people. The lawyer, I'd keep the law if I could, but I can't because it's unclear. The neighbor, I see the need, I recognize the need, I'm able to meet the need, I'm going to respond to that need. So, it is not difficult to discuss neighborlessness in the abstract, but it costs something to be a real neighbor. Let me say that again. It's not difficult to discuss neighborlessness in the abstract, but it costs something to be a real neighbor. We can talk about it this morning. We can all say, yep, I agree, Pastor. It's there in the Word of God. <laughs> but if we're going to do something, there's going to be a cost to it. Well, going and helping 
my favorite shows on that night. <laughs> I can't, you know what I'm saying? There's always something, isn't there, guys? Always something. So question, do we pause to help when we see injustice and hurt? Or do we look for an escape like the priest and the Levite? You are never more Christ-like than when you feel another's hurt and you seek to help. Amen? Amen. A couple thoughts in closing. Um, if you are a believer, you have a heart for people. I know people that don't even believe in Jesus that have a heart for people. <laughs> it's just something that, hey, we know it's right to love and to help those in need. I mean, it's just ingrained. Have we all been made in the image of God? Every human being. The Bible teaches us that. Okay, we've been made in the image of God. And God, by nature, is a giver. In our flesh, we're very selfish. You know? But there is something in us that's telling us, no, this is backwards. <laughs> I'm here to do something. And people can fight that. You know, it's very easy to get self-absorbed. <laughs> but when you come to Christ in faith, he opens your eyes. You begin to see things. And there are the needs. I've had a lot of people uh, come to me through the years. Why are you wasting time in the jail? You know, you're, you're a good teacher. Why don't you spend any more time pastoring at the church, growing your church land? And well, it's not my church. And, <laughs> you know, God, God's got this great opportunity. You know, there's a need here. And there's times and seasons for different things. You know, I want to give myself fully to the church, and that might happen someday. But the thing is, guys, it's not about us. It's about him and his kingdom. And there's definitely a place in the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's a huge need. Okay? Why are you guys doing a food pantry? You're just enabling those people. Have you guys ever heard an argument about like that before? You're not doing any good. You should be training them how to work and how to get a job. Come hang out at the pantry with us for a while. Yeah, there is a group that do take advantage of the food pantry. They don't really have the need, you know. That's between them and God. But most of the people that come through, come hang out. A lot of them are disabled, legitimately. A lot of them are elderly. Where's their family? Where, there's, where are their kids now that they're old taking care of them? Not there. There is a legitimate need. Could some of them be working? Yeah. Can they all be working? No. <laughs> what I do know is what the scriptures has taught us. And one of those things, just think of the church. Every believer just, hey, I'm going to take on a neighbor. Love on them. Pour into them. Guys, I guarantee you within a year, if the church would do that, every believer in the valley would just say, hey, we would have nobody who is homeless, sleeping under their bridge, sleeping in their car, sleeping out in the woods, sleeping in someone's garage. Why? Because, hey, we have an empty room. We're empty nesters now. <laughs> we wouldn't have to have the jail. Okay? I believe that if we actually came alongside people, loving the unlovable, would we need a facility holding 600 beds, 600 people here in the valley? Out of Gamey County? Probably not. I think it'd be really cool. My prayer is that someday that we can turn that big building into a shelter. Hey, people need a place to stay. They already have a kitchen to make all this food for all these people and all these beds. Praise God, there's a roof over there. You know, how cool would that be? 
But just think about if the church would just step up and do. But the one thing that we do care about more than anything, because there are so many needs we can meet, we want people to know Jesus Christ, don't we? That's the biggest need. There are so many who are sick and hurting. You know, you look at most hospitals, they were started by Christians, weren't they? <laughs> you know, why? Because they had a heart to meet, to help those who were sick, dying. But people are dying every single day in their sin that are going to go to hell for all time. Our hearts as believers, what we should care about most is that people come to know Jesus Christ. And if we're not out there preaching it, it's not going to happen. And I'll tell you this, guys. The pantry, it's centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Fox Valley Jail Ministry is centered around Jesus Christ. It is a chaplaincy. We do have to deal with people of other faith. But if Christ was not the focus of that ministry, I'd probably have nothing to do with it. <laughs> why? Because what matters is that people come to know Jesus. That's why we do what we do. And we can love people well, and we can love them right into the pit of hell. There is a place in loving our neighbors that we have to be honest enough to share the truth. We can keep loving and caring for people, but if we don't actually take the time to love and speak truth, what's the point? Amen? Amen. So with that, there's a few things. I have a few books um, by Greg Laurie. He's a pastor in Southern California. Um, he's actually done, um, I think he's right behind Billy Graham in his Mount of Crusades that he's done. Uh, they just had another huge one. Um, thousands and thousands of people came to faith in Christ. Now, I don't know if crusades are effective or not. I think it's great because, hey, the gospel's being preached. <laughs> That's how I look at it. Praise God. But our brother Greg's got a, a gift for evangelism, and he wrote a real simple book. He's been uh, doing ministry for over 30 years, and it's just tell someone. I, I haven't read the whole thing completely. I fingered through it. I know Greg's stuff pretty well. Um, if you have a heart for evangelized sharing, pick this book up, okay? Um, share with somebody. And also in there, there's two videos. Um, any of you guys know who this guy is? Who is it? John Lennon. Pastor, why are we talking about John Lennon at church? Uh, <laughs> guy by the name of Ray Comfort, uh, Heart Free Evangelism, came out with both these movies. Uh, they're a buck a piece. Okay? We got them dirt cheap. Um, but uh, it just lays out the gospel. It gets, it gets people connected. Like I sold my little black car that was sitting outside all summer to, um, I don't know, which, what would you call a modern day hippie? A hipster. Okay, He's a hipster. <laughs> stuff. Young guy and stuff. And he showed up. Um, he's a Satanist. I had a Satanist buy my car. He had a Lamb of God t-shirt on. It's a hardcore Satanist band. <laughs> you know? And I, I tried to talk. You guys ever talk with people where it's just like, poof, like a wall, like <laughs> nothing, no eye contact. Like this guy knew who I was, I think, you know? <laughs> Wanted nothing to do with me. And I was really praying because we had a little bit of dialogue in the, you know, preparing to sell the car and him buying the car. But when he actually came to pick it up, finally, like, oh, this is my last time I'm going to see this guy. i got to lay it out. But I knew he was into, big mu into music, you know. I gave this to him. I tried to talk about Jesus. He didn't want to. And I'm like, would you just please, you know, <laughs> just watch this sometime and stuff. And he looked, oh, John, Le I'll do that. 
I'm like, praise the Lord. So I'm just praying that he actually does watch it sometime. But there's tons of little things, because sometimes we feel like, well, I'm not equipped. I don't know the Bible well enough to share my faith. Share what you know, okay? What you know was enough to bring you to faith in Christ. <laughs> don't put our God in a box, okay? Just share what you know. Love on people. Love them well. Um, yeah. I think this reality of loving our neighbor is something that we need to keep coming back to as believers because we can get so caught up in our own thing very quickly. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's just like, wait, how did I get over here? You know, we can get caught up so quick. Even in good things, ministry sometimes too. I'm so busy with ministry, I don't have time for people. Wait a minute. <laughs> Isn't that ministry? <laughs> so, Father, we want to thank you for your word. We love this parable because it, uh, it's raw. It's real. It gets to the, the heart issues quickly. And I do just want to ask for my brothers and sisters that you help us to walk in love, God, to walk in the light as you're in the light, just to walk with you in the Spirit. And would you please... Open our eyes. Uh, there might be someone that lives just next door that's going through it, that's in need. And we just can't discern or see that need. It could be even just a family member that we share the same roof with. God, just help us to have eyes to see, your eyes to see people as you see them, Lord. Because we know that you so love the world that you gave all of yourself. God, and you now live in us. And we want to love others too. Help us to learn from you how to do that best. In your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.